Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Peterson. With me as always, your other host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how's it going? Good. How's everybody doing? And tonight we have back to the show the very first special guest, once again, Mr. Ryan Steiskel. Ryan, Hi. thanks for coming back. How you doing? Uh, uh, great. Survived a snowstorm to get here. <laughs> and uh, drinking a great great beer so um i'm happy yeah we are enjoying some of my homebrew here in wisconsin right now oh, yeah. uh, no. sharing one virtually with you there Eric. <laughs> i was gonna say where's mine because i don't see it here but... um it's in my other hand oh, okay. it's in my other hand i'm drinking for you yeah. in spirit. well thank but, you, I you know, we brought we, <laughs> welcome we brought back Ryan Ryan, Ryan, yeah thank, thank you yeah we, we brought you back here because tonight's episode uh we're gonna be covering a movie that i don't have you seen this one before so so here's the thing i'm born in 89 so i'm in that weird position of like I'm born in the 80s by technicality, but I'm not 80s. So I, I share 80s um, nostalgia mixed with 90s, like He-Man and stuff like that. So uh, Legend, no, I never seen it prior to this, but it's something I knew about. Yeah, and this is one that, I mean, another one of those, we, we bring it up almost every single episode. This is one that I saw at the video store and never watched. But then again, as a kid, I was never really big into the wizard sword and sorcery fantasy. style fantasy yeah. what about you, you being you somebody who's a little standoffish towards fantasy when everybody got the lord of the rings bug you were kind of like yeah <laughs> not really for me <laughs> but yeah i mean i now to, i mean i i in defense i did enjoy and see all the lord of the rings films but when everybody's like but have you read the books i was kind of proud to say fuck no i haven't <laughs> <laughs> and i i to this day haven't and i should i have a new appreciation for it but yeah i was this style of fantasy never really uh, uh, resonated with me when I was younger. It's something that I've, I've learned to appreciate later in life. But had you seen this movie? Yeah, Eric, I, this um, is one I had seen. Um, I want to say, and I, I don't know if you remember offhand, um, I want to say this one was actually in the collection at the Pecatonica Public Library when we were growing up. Mm. So, um, yeah, I definitely saw it. I think I saw it a few times. I don't remember liking this movie a whole lot, even as a kid. Um, <laughs> it... Good taste. And I don't know why it just didn't really like. It has kind. Of, in theory, it has everything that I liked about other movies like it or other fantasy or um, films of the, of the 80s and 90s. But I don't know. It just uh, something just didn't connect I, with me I, as a kid. And um, yeah, I, I don't recall liking it all. So yeah, I probably saw it once or twice, yeah. way way long ago. So rewatching it, it, it was it was still kind of a fresh rewatch because it's been so long since I've seen it. I probably was a young child. So the movie that we're talking about here, of course, is the 1985 Ridley Scott-directed Legend. There is a balance to the universe. The struggle to maintain that balance is the stuff of legends. For there can be no good without evil, no love without hate. Life needs death. Innocence feeds lust. 
there can be no heaven without hell. No light without me. I am darkness. I just want to say, like, um, I think, Eric, what you just described about <laughs> it being, like, it should it should have everything you should like, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. Do it. It had the right. It had. It had the right pieces. It looked like it should have been. Well, yeah, and even if you look at the IMDb description of it, right, which is which is kind of absurdly short, but then again, it's like, yeah, well, that kind of sums it up. It's like, a young man must stop the Lord of Darkness from both destroying Daylight and marrying the woman he loves. And that's kind of like, it, it feels like it should be more, but no, that's well, kind of it. That and that's kind of like this movie feels. We read a, we read a lot of IMDb um, synopsises on this show, and they're always, like, really like short and vague, but um, this one is actually a really good description of all the movie's about, <laughs> and it just takes that one sentence to sum yeah. up. So. And, and everything else in the film felt kind of like fluff. I mean, honestly, I, I was really looking forward to reviewing this film, mm-hmm. yeah, um, same, especially same. because of my newfound appreciation for fantasy-style films and fantasy stories. I was really looking forward to it because it seems to be somewhat legendary, not no pun intended, right? Yeah. But just with the, especially Tim Curry's character, Lord of Darkness and everything, and, and some of these these creature effects from the film, that when I watched it, I was, I kept waiting for it to get better. And, <laughs> and it, it really didn't, I mentioned this to you earlier, yes. Ryan, when we yeah. were chatting about it before the show, that it feels like a movie that or it feels like that some some people stumbled onto a set of a better movie and this is what they recorded <laughs> well, and, right. and filmed it it just didn't it never grabbed me i kept i kept waiting and then at the end i i was pretty let down by this one yeah well here yeah here's the thing about legend so, and i'm i'm not going to like launch into a major defense of it and because because i in my i agree with you at the end of the day that it's just not a very successful movie um, it no. doesn't end up being like super entertaining, and uh, from the get-go, Ridley Scott's idea was to try and to to tap into like the the basic premise of like a a fairy tale. So just like and, and generically, mm-hmm. but just like try and film a fairy tale, and um, I think he succeeds in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, that's also the film's downfall, is because he did stay so true to his source material that he works only with these like paper thin kind of archetype characters you know right. hero uh, well, damsel darkness um you know and there's these little woodland creatures elves and dwarves or whatever you they are called within the um narrative of this film but i i do think that that s- adhering so closely to like making it try to you know be something like jumping out of like the classics or some kind of mythology uh ended up hurting the film quite badly and it made the, the characters uninteresting because generally they were cookie cutters of you know hero and princess and uh, you know evil and um yeah anyway just what well, a lot to unpack there yeah <laughs> to to add to that well if you look into and wikipedia says this too um like ridley scott just wanted to make a fantasy and all he did was read german folk tales and all the like uh brothers Grimm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what he did he he simply he just took the elements and like all right and i'll get another screenwriter and work and mind you like they had darker elements to the film that were definitely cut out like in the original screenplay and such but this for me recently has been begging the question uh given i do like ridley scott like blade runner i love blade runner but mm-hmm. blade runner is one of those things where you have to rewatch it and i'm like oh, i really find the appreciation of it but i've also seen other ridley scott movies and i'm like <laughs> um okay but that's that begs the, this question is he a great director or is he just a, like he just does a beautiful job because he started off as a commercial director yeah like he knows how to make something beautiful but does he know how to make something good yeah and or tell a good story i mean and i think yeah, it's very yeah. telling that this film now eric you and i both watched the theatrical version ryan you watched the director's cut. director's cut i'm yeah, the one and, who watched director's cut and and i think it's it's very telling where 
you have a film that, and, and this is a Ridley Scott thing, it's happened on more than one occasion, where you know, you have the theatrical version and then the director's cut. Any time where you have to come out with a director's cut to make it slightly better is, I think, kind of a problem. Right. Not not to say that director's cuts shouldn't exist or anything, but any time where the, the theatrical version is panned and the director's cut is slightly better, I mean, here's our obligatory DC reference, right, with you know Zack Snyder and Batman vs. Superman <laughs> and the director's cut there. Mm-hmm. It's slightly better. It's still, it's just kind of just a bigger mess. Well, but and I feel like from what you described of the director's cut, it's kind of the same thing. I can actually you you hit the nail on the head with that. Like this adds more substance to scenes, and it made those scenes way better. For example, the the Meg Muckle Muckle Bones Muckle Bones is extensive. Yeah, which which I watched this movie with my girlfriend. We both like the best part of this movie was just kind of like riffing it. Honestly, Mm -hmm. like from the start, it's like all right, we know where this is gonna go. And it's given the time period and how you sell movies, but at that time for sure. Uh, but that scene, in particular, like this, this was this we we le- legitimately enjoyed it. Like the makeup, the 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 it was his makeup. It was the makeup in the scene, the setup. Like well, it, this, it was it, that was yeah. Fun. I was gonna say, but that's this cut movie from in the general has. Trick. It's just yeah. This movie in general is fantastic to look at. Like it's a beautifully oh, uh, shot film. I mean, the, to a degree, just looks beautiful. Degree, the sets yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the outdoor photography I, is this has this like dreamlike I, perfection to it that is just. I, I liked. You know, I, I I love the makeup in this, and, and we'll talk about Tim Curry here in a minute because that's like the best part of the yeah. film. But well, and of course, sets the honestly felt to me watching it, and, and maybe you'll you'll disagree. Um, the sets on this one felt like these are great sets that are shot from a really weird angle because they all looked really kind of fake. Yeah, and, and they all looked kind of tall that, and um, what's the word for yeah, every, film nerd were for it? Like chiaroscuro lighting and maybe a bit expressionist yeah, in a couple of scenes, yeah, especially the darkness layer and yeah, yeah. But even like the the kind of the woodland stuff, it's like all of that snow clearly looks like it's not snow. And the mm-hmm. the trees and bushes, they all looked like they were just recently wheeled in. Everything felt placed. Yeah. I, and it didn't feel I organic. do think it, they did achieve ha- a very strong sense of like a, giving the whole film a dreamlike nature, even the way I'll it kind of like flo- yeah. flows from one to, thing to another. He doesn't spend a lot of time on exposition, which, like I, like I said later, kind of hurts the film. But um, yeah. But yeah, it gives it a, a really strong dreamlike quality. And I don't know if that's the same with, and, and um, Ryan can kind of come in at this point, and because <laughs> you watch the director's cut, the director's cut has a totally different score. Um, the synth pop group Tangerine Dream rescored this movie after uh, the, I think, test screening said that the, that, that the score was one of the things that people didn't care for about it. Uh, so Jerry Goldsmith, who's a very famous... Um, film composer uh, originally scored the film and that is uh, Ridley Scott's preferred score and he restored that for the director's cut but I actually like and I haven't seen the director's cut so unfortunately I don't have any means for comparison at the moment but I actually really really like Tangerine Dream's score and I think it adds to that um, Mm -hmm. kind of dreamlike nature of it I don't know what it was like in the Goldsmith version but (laughs) well to to, well, okay, so I would say for the score, having seen the director's cut, um, I think it was fine if I can remember. But that that right there is, is is what explains it for you. Is like that's not something that I remember for the movie. It's like there's too many wrong things going on that distracted me to not mm. even have a chance to appreciate the score. Where I can probably say like, oh, I think it was good. Yeah, it's probably the case. But there's so much going on, and I wanted to I wanted to take a, a bit to mention something about the set pieces is that glitter like and i'm gonna say this as a person with with an art degree uh glitter is not your friend and you need to stop throwing it everywhere because some of those set pieces were looking like pieces that i've seen in, in every hobby lobby uh garden section where yeah. you got like there is a part like even even yeah. even darkness's lair they, his doors had these devil faces covered in glitter and i'm just like <laughs> Jesus, what kind of nightmarish crafts, fifty-year-old white woman drinking box wine are we late entering night, here? Late night Miami dance club hell, you know. And not even poorly, like like oh, like like it, it cheapened I, the I sets. I do remember thinking on multiple times during the film that like everybody's face just being totally plastered with glitter. You know, what it's like it almost looked oh like everybody. God, yeah. You know, at the like the practical joke when people like antique people by you know throwing a like. <laughs> 
handful of flour in their face, right? Uh, it kind of looked like everybody got antiqued with a handful of glitter at some yeah, point. Everybody got like glitter this, bomb. Yeah, like yeah. the glitter bomb went off and hit everybody. And um, yeah, so I do remember thinking that. I being the rest of the kind of like atmosphere of this film i didn't feel like it was like super out of place but yeah i get what you're saying it was excessive i've never seen so much glitter in a film that's for sure well, I, I will give it okay so like i we, we've, been, we've been harping on it but one thing that this movie is worth watching for or at least part of it is worth watching for is the entire scene of mia sarah becoming seduced by the Lord of Darkness, the the dress dancing with the kind of faceless mm-hmm. figure in it, it now that it then envelopes her, and when Tim Curry, fully in full lighting, steps out of the mirror onto the set, yep, and you really are introduced to darkness. That entire sequence is incredible. Yeah, now, and the... if you don't feel like sitting through the entire film, find it on YouTube. It's worth it's on it there. for yeah. that, and he is excellent his makeup is excellent the costume is excellent i mean the makeup and costumes again i I, I, we started on that and then i got we got distracted with you know um the score and the glitter and all of the other stuff we kind of jumped jumped ahead to but i think we started talking about how the makeup in general in this film is is fantastic the special effects makeup at least and rob rob butain um of howling and the thing fame Mm -hmm. um did the special effects makeup for this movie and it's it's incredible and it's on a par with all of his best work i would say yeah. just just the look of this film the kind of things we've um mentioned makes it worth one sit through i don't know if this is one you're gonna you know want in your collection and watch or want to watch a whole bunch of times just because it is kind of weak narratively but it's 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 a nice film to look at and it's got a lot of really great special effects makeups in it yeah it, it's a shame that you have a character as and and makeup as good as Tim Curry's Lord of Darkness, mm-hmm. well, his... in a movie that just can't support him, yeah, in, in this and a story that doesn't support him well enough. I mean, it's it it's still very stereotypical of which even Tom Cruise um, has said that the theatrical version is quote stereotypical '80s fantasy, and it is, and even Darkness is, but the design of that. Um, and you can, uh, I, I want to say there's the final battle scene between Tom Cruise's Jack and Curry's Darkness, where they're sword fighting and, and punching each other, which is a really awkward scene anyway. Yeah. Oh, too you, much, you, too much upskirt shot yeah. of Tom Cruise. Yeah, I did not of... need that much detail. Can, can we get a hero who knows <laughs> yeah. how to wear pants? Yeah, there, there's because... a lot of Cruise crotch in this, but there's... It, the editing of it was very jarring because you can tell the scenes where that is Tim Curry. Yeah. And the next shot is clearly a stunt guy in a mask. Yeah, and the mask, when the the character's in motion and doing the sword fighting and stuff, the mask and the head obviously changes multiple times. And you can see that the face is not as makeup or not as detailed in a lot of that. Yeah, it falls apart. It's not... I think it was an impractical makeup to... Um, yeah. I, I don't oh, oh. know. I don't know who to blame for it. I, I doubt it's Rob Batane's fault, or I doubt it's um, entirely really Scott's fault either. I think they saw something they really liked and they went with it. Um, I do know that Tim Curry was injured on set uh, yeah. and was out for what was he out for like a week or something because the original makeup, the horns or the the headpiece for that was too heavy and actually did end up injuring him. Um, also, there the facial prosthesis um, apparently took. I don't know, eight, four to eight five or four hours. Yeah, hours to put on and then four hours to take off or so. I don't know. And one day yep. he got a little bit impatient with it and just started to pull pieces off and actually pulled off a lot of skin on his face. Yeah, he, um, he was supposed to soak. He had to soak in like a hot tub or something to actually loosen the spirit gum. And there was, he was so covered in prosthetics. Yeah, you're right. One day, it wasn't just impatience. He started getting claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of had a little freak out, and he started pulling everything off. And yeah, it took chunks of skin. So then they had to shoot around that. And maybe that's where those scenes with the mask comes in. But I that felt like I doubt it. I have a feeling me. that it well, was that the makeup itself or the costume itself was impractical for what they wanted it to do. Right. They wanted him to be staging a, in, the character to be in a sword fight. With this giant, you know, rack of horns on his head, and the just, I just I don't think it was practical makeup for those effects. And sorry, Ryan, we keep we keep cutting you off. I mean, you guys are used to talking to each other. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just drink. Um, no. I do. <laughs> I'm gonna say, 
because uh, I had a joke and it's already passed now. <laughs> Sorry. You could say well, it now. We can go edit though... it back in. No, I'm just... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, keep that part in. No, Let them know. Say, Ryan, what yeah. did you think though of like the so the story you mentioned? You know, this is this comes from a essentially an amalgamation of inspiration from all these these grim fairy tales but how do you think is this a story that could have been done better or is this just a story that this is about as good as it was gonna get oh it's bullshit um first off i can i jokingly because because the tom cruise's main character's name is jack and i've been jokingly uh when my girlfriend and i watch this when we watch these movies like I love watching movies with her because we both like to talk to her in films. And once we find out we have a bad film, like, all right, we have a different film. Oh, you're time. one of those. We're gonna, no, I'm just kidding. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we are. We're going to riff it. We're going to riff it. <laughs> no, and it's yeah. like, it has a different value. And I'm like, I would argue that's how certain films, that's just where you find cult classics in general. Yeah. Um, but with this, it's just like, I kept referring to him as Simple Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for anybody who, reference. anyone who's ever watched which he's tom cruise tropic, is in that movie tropic too yeah, yeah. Uh, so but it's um so my girlfriend did not see tropic thunder from what i recognize it's not really a movie i think she would care about <laughs> but like yeah i kept referring to him as simple jack with the pantsless like how do you go into an armory and all you grab is just like oh look yeah i guess i'll grab this gold the most malleable metal of all time as all my weaponry and then, like, not pants. Yeah, and not pants. it was referenced in something uh, even... I was reading, I probably on Wikipedia, that it was magical armor. And I'm like, well, that would have been handy to know, you know, yeah, in the story. Yeah. But, hey, whatever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it like the like same. you just, like, borrowed Aquaman's other <laughs> scaly armor. I will, but I will, I will give it this. This is essentially the equivalent of seeing every, like, overly, like, toxic male like interpretation of like a female warrior where they're just scantily clad i'm like this is fair this is fair um but i i don't know when you have what adds to the simple jack nature of this is like there was more unibrow than there was unicorn (laughs) (laughs) even (laughs) because this is tom cruise before he fixed his teeth and fixed that brow right um though which i find funny it's just like really even as a teen you don't know about that yeah like tom Tom cruise's performance in this too was was pretty lackluster you know it it just didn't really do much for me it uh, i wouldn't it's kind of i wouldn't say it was bad it's just a not memorable role for him right yeah right and 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 don't don't get me wrong i'm not necessarily a tom cruise hater like he's i've liked him a lot in a couple of things that are in some things i'm not everything i've seen him in necessarily is my cup of tea but um i don't dislike tom cruise i've liked him a lot in some things and this was just not one of them so well, know. it's just his his character here, like even the he's supposed to be this kind of, you know, mystical woodland character thing, you know, almost elf like, and he just kind of he looks he, he ends up just looking kind of twitchy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it just well, all of a sudden there's this scene in it where you know they're they're rescuing one of the other dwarf elf fairy whatever out of you know the these kind of demonic orc type thing and all of a sudden tom cruise's character jack is this badass gymnastic warrior like, all he does is backflips and all he does is backflips <laughs> and somehow pours oil it's it's really a strange I... this movie clearly suffered the fact once again there's a big director's cut it clearly suffers from really poor editing it's very choppy um, well and, and it, it, it doesn't, doesn't have a whole lot of exposition to... and i think that goes back to them intentionally trying to be simplistic with the set with the set pieces and the way the story works like plot point to plot point yeah. you know the 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 young innocents are you know corrupted by darkness one must become you know a warrior there's a quest there's a goal there's a damsel in distress there's you know vanquishing evil there's it's just they're really the like that's the general things that they're dealing with and i don't think the details mm-hmm. in between um were important to them um from a story standpoint i think it was more about getting the style right or getting the feeling right and whether they succeeded or not obviously is up to the viewer and uh, you know from what we're we're hearing uh, so far is that they didn't really succeed with it but um i think getting that fairy tale kind of thing down was more important to them i don't think they ever intended there to be a lot of exposition of characters like you know where did he learn to fight where did he you know where did this happen um anyway uh, his transformation to warrior is just kind of the given that the, the way the story works uh, sure. i wanted to say real quick because i say all the director's cut there's certain scenes where you have jack trying to quote unquote learn to be a hero 
Oh, okay. It, not not that they, not that he doesn't, but it's <laughs> it's the mucklebone scene where it's extended more, where you see his his attempts, um, and it's kind of. I'll give him this credit when it comes to the director's cut that it's better. Um, is that his struggle? Like there is actual struggle struggle to 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 be this hero with dealing with that character is what he does is like he he. F- um, flirts or more so like appeals to the nature like like calling calling Mucklebone attractive and distracting her with her own like ego vanity, vanity yeah. with with his reflective mirror like oh someone's so beautiful as it's the equivalent of being like a young man in your like early early 20s dealing with a cougar in a bar <laughs> um like oh yeah someone as great as you and you're just trying to get to the bathroom <laughs> yeah. um so there's kind of funny enough that that was like that one moment where I'm like, eh, this is kind of like a little bit more realistic for his character because it's not f- like great, uh, mm-hmm. but it's more realistic than the rest of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not, it's that. It's funny that that was the part that was cut because all you get with her is like what you guys saw is like she pops up, I'm gonna eat you, cuts his head. Mm-hmm. And, right, and and it was, and then he, but he still has that line in there where he's like, oh, I did it. And it's like did did what? What did you do? You, like you, you cut her head off. What what made you think you couldn't? Yeah, you know. So it, obviously you can there tell was something. Quite a lot that's left yeah. on the cutting room floor. And I've read good to know in, that at least it's in something is in the director's cut. I've read in multiple places that that's kind of the scene that uh, fan, people that are fans of this film most wanted to be, you know, replaced or whatever. Other and when fans? they finally um, got to the <laughs> got to the. Uh, director's cut they did finally get that back but um i'm not sure even that scene's gonna rescue the movie from some of its flaws no yeah and i think it's safe to say that really the reason this movie is remembered is for tim curry Mm -hmm. yes is is for that that character and that makeup because it is so show stealing that's the reason that I added this to my list. I knew it was a cult film. I didn't know like what it was, but I just knew as as a fan of Tim Curry, it like just a wonderful presence as an actor always, wherever he's in. And, and I totally get why they wanted him as darkness. He he's a seductive character, especially yep. after like Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Like watching him as darkness. Not that it's the greatest like dialogue ever, but just because of his performance hell i'll say it. i'll fuck tim curry with that it's like yeah i'll sit i'll sit on your weird ass bubbly chair you got me yeah, you it, got it was, me yeah the the and, and i think it's also I, kind of funny it's very you know to be somewhat topical here but you know it's like the way he's and this is just actually very typical 80s and, and, and typical of fantasy but it just kind of struck me with everything that we're reading about today you know it's like he is the darkness is the quintessential bro flake Oh yeah, God! No, yes, with the um, you know, I just want you to sit and talk with me, my dear. Nothing more. Just sit and chat with me. I will never sit and chat with you. God damn it! He starts throwing <laughs> start, stuff. You know? And there's multiple points like, in the yeah. scene where he like talk calms himself back down and like yeah, he's it's it's such a you're right yeah, and you're right, just, Joe. It, earlier you said just kind of like he, the, that scene is kind of the high point and it is and his character. There's potential in this film to use the character more, and they, I mean, I don't know if it's because the makeup wasn't working or if it was really all never intended to be, you know, all the way back to the screenplay level. Um, I did find it interesting that they did a big reveal of his makeup, and then, uh, but it wasn't really a reveal because we actually saw him in the opening scene of the film. Um, I know he's. he's... Oh, you guys did. It was different for me. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, no, they, they, they show, like, his back. Like they don't show him at all. Ah, his build okay. up when he emerges from the mirror—that's the first time you see his face. They show oh, so, so in the in the yeah. theatrical they show him in he's in shadow a bit, but he's got like glowing eyes, and you can get the shape of him and enough to get the performance mm, a little bit a even like yeah. So definitely different than okay. So I mean, huh. credit given me, back I, to the filmmakers yeah. there that 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 was meant that was meant to be a reveal because <laughs> it was kind of silly but the, the glowing was weird too because it's like neon green glowing yeah, it's obviously so, okay. added in post I, type glowing yeah i yeah. i have i have to like so okay so for me in the director's cut my, my girlfriend and i were, were struggling with this one there it's it's that scene with the chair and the like i don't the way it was edited it wasn't just it wasn't communicated well like we had like a a vague idea of seduction with this whole 
weird chair like hey sit in my chair sit in my chair and i know like in the earlier drafts like they wanted a scene where she herself gets turned into a beast and they actually copulate mm. Hmm. Like, and that's when Tom Cruise's character comes in. They're like, yeah, we can't have, I'm quoting here. Yeah, you can't have the devil guy fuck the princess. <laughs> but so, so they replaced it with this chair and I, I looked into it. I'm like, okay, what's the symbolism with the chair? Cause it seems quote unquote obvious. It's just like, this seems too stupid, obvious to be that. And it is what it is. But here's where I am with that stupid freaking chair is that <laughs> it's a cross between sexual harassment and a whoopee cushion like situation like is, come on is, sit in my is, chair is the chair no. the chair's not even a big thing in the theatrical well okay the green eyes mm-hmm. no idea what the hell they were that's what my curiosity was like where were the green eyes in my version coming from were they the chair because it, it suggested it was the chair uh was it his father that he was talking to was it him and they never explain it and that's where it's just like all right this is a lot of loose threads one of the things i kind of wondered watching this is and i know we've talked about this eric especially in in, you know our kind of forgotten franchise thing Mm -hmm. um is that do you think this was originally intended to be a franchise a series no I would say absolutely not. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like they were so, like, in their, like, um, with their idea. Like, it was so confined to, like, we're going to make, we're going to, like, literally try to put a Grimm Brothers or a Hand Christian Anderson type fairy tale, more Grimm Brothers because of the kind of darker elements of it, but um, on film. And I think that that would just doesn't lend itself to a series type um situation now what they did with Mm -hmm. the theatrical cut at the end of the movie and having darkness reappear right before the credits roll um that obviously was a studio decision to hey if this is really successful obviously sequels come because you know people want to make a buck i don't think ridley scott and the screenwriter i forget his name um he's a novelist but um william yortsberg um Mm. The screener, I don't think they had any uh, intention to know, to continue this. No, I think it was supposed to... And the, the speaking of director's cuts, got a very different ending, and I think had kind of changed these, the entire oh, yeah. message of what the movie's trying to say about, like, you know, the fairy world and the <laughs> real world versus the happily ever after we get in the theatrical cut. So just mm. out of curiosity, Ryan, what did you think about the way the film ended, and are you aware of the way that the theatrical film ends? Okay, okay, so here's how that delivery was made with the d- director's cut. Um, we were making jokes about the ideas like, yeah, there's no realistic, like, there's no realistic way that this princess is ever going to hook up with this simpleton that l- lives in the jungle. <laughs> uh, not jungle, sorry, forest. Yeah. Um, but when we watched it, we did not, di- we did not get that that was the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It was until after, like, every time I read a movie, like, every time I watch a movie, I reread it on something to, like, like, all right, what did I miss? What did I catch? And then we saw the director's um, cut described in the Wikipedia where they mentioned the alternative endings. It was like, oh, yeah, it's her saying, like, yeah, actually, like, I think we should just have a platonic relationship. And he's just happily like, I agree. <laughs> and, like, we're both like, yeah, that's good for the best of you. But we did not get that. We did not read that. We didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's most of the movie where you're just like, holy shit, I feel like you have the elements to have a decent movie. All it takes is, like, even in the editing, like, you could have done something. There's no way in hell you couldn't have done anything. You know, there, there's films that we've talked about on this show where we've we've been critical of them like this one but we've said you know i bet this looked good on paper mm-hmm. and i think drop dead fred was a good example right where um this is a film that the story idea is good i like what they were going for i think with a better cast better director better whatever it could have been a better film this is one where i think it's a, a slightly different deviation from that where i think this could have been a better film but I don't think it was I don't think it was that way even on paper. Yeah. No, I think it was if you weird. wanted to do a movie about kind of fairy tale legends and you wanted to have a big Satan looking devil guy and you wanted this basic story about unicorns and everything, 
and and you know light versus darkness i think you could have done that but this one is pretty off the mark for what yeah. they what it could have been they were trying to do like never ending story combined with uh what other fantasy uh labyrinth and like yeah. which those two are great and like i would say for never ending story definitely like thanks for the fucking post-traumatic stress uh atreyu <laughs> um but then you get like just tom cruise as atreyu and it's just like oh man i, I, I wonder I why his parents abandoned him in the and, forest. and you know again as somebody who and I, i've said it before and i'll say it again is relatively late in life appreciating you know sword sorcery style fantasy mm-hmm. one of the films i grew up watching as a little little kid uh was the last unicorn mm-hmm. so for my money if i want to watch a fantasy film about unicorns it's got to be that one over this <laughs> and they came out at similar times yeah that's a better story as an animated film it's more intriguing it's scarier it's more you know just i've watched it again as an adult and it still holds up this one i'll just you know it, it didn't it didn't grab my attention to take it off the rack when i was a kid and it it isn't good enough for me to want to watch it again now I, I think if I want to see the best parts of this movie, I'll find them on YouTube with Tim Curry as Here, Darkness. Uh, you saying that just, like, one, I would say I just watch Animated Hobbit repeatedly. Well, if there's I want that. To there's that. But this is, this is, this is how I'm going to describe, like, having, th- this just hit my mind after what you just said. This, this is essentially legend in a nutshell. This is the 80s uh, teen uh, version of Twilight, glitter and all. <laughs> Like Without no, the vampires. All style, no substance, devil. and it's all about, like, here's a lame-ass love story that yeah. actually shouldn't act exist. It just makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you watch a theat- uh, director's cut, it doesn't actually. It's not a love story. That, it actually, That's well, the most and, and logical again, ending I, for that I, freaking I think situation. Not, not that I want to get on, like, a, a, a rant about bashing Ridley Scott, but, no. I mean... The guy's given us some great things like Alien. Oh yeah, and Blade, Blade, Runner. And Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Blade Runner, though it it took a it few. It takes some time. It, it took well, it took a few times editing it. Yeah, to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, to the I good mean, when version. Two thousand. A good what, director's cut. When yeah. the final cut finally came out, which is actually Ridley Scott's director's cut, so yeah. that was only right. like what twenty fourteen or something. So yeah, anyway, yeah, a lot, yeah. lot, lot of different but, cuts of that. And Blade Runner wasn't a, 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 a like immediately successful movie that one grew over time no um i can actually see yeah it, it has it. a bit of a cult following to it and that's re- well more than a little it has a huge cult following yeah, to yeah. it and that's really what no, i think blade runner is fantastic I, like, it's one of my favorites and alien might be my favorite yeah. like sci-fi slash horror film yeah, of all time they're, they're so i mean they, he's definitely got some i don't want to get on you know like and, you said, really no Scott because i've bashing, seen but he's he's made some really great competent more than competent some really great films right uh, this one i think it was a little bit i don't know this kept i, I kept wondering like did ridley scott do this this looks more like a dino de Laurentiis type film yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it and not to really bash him either but it seems to be the kind of a it, little bit over the top and see I, over the top yet missing the mark i do have to I, take I, a, I could, a tiny bit of exception to a little bit of the like um i don't think this was in any way incompetent what it was is like poorly written or the story is poorly mm-hmm. developed but it's a very like competent film technically like it's it's sure it's a good, very well, good looking movie uh, except for a few little special effects flubs and really i'm talking about the sword fight it's the only moment i felt like mm-hmm. the production value was weak in it um oh sure the but yeah i, I mean i think a lot of things there's a lot of really great things about legend the only thing that isn't there unfortunately probably the most necessary thing to make a movie a great movie is the fact that it's just not super interesting narratively <laughs> it, right uh, but yeah it's, it's very nice to look at it's it's kind of if you if you were able to get an isolated and they might even have this on the blu-ray i don't know i don't i don't have it um but if you were able to get like an isolated score version with the tangerine dream score on it and uh kind of you know no dialogue or whatever it'd just be a nice like background piece it's it's a really great looking film Lots of great special effects. I, I really enjoy the score. Um, it kind of makes me sad that that's not the score that Ridley Scott likes, and he replaced it in his director's cut. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. But. Well, I would I would just argue like there's there's this when an artist like with dealing with an artist that has to deal with like uh, a production 
studio uh, that's funding their work and like they haven't like so like we said like every movie there's like uh, script revisions Mm -hmm. Uh, there's always like some kind of issue like for example there was actually a a studio fire during their filming of this that kind of changed some things and and there's like a lot of movies um, that I've watched where it's just like you're like you have these criticisms towards like why is this this doesn't even make sense and you can even get the director or whoever to saying like yeah we know like this is the issue is either like production at the time didn't like like buckaroo bonsai for example like there's so much like where the director didn't have as much say as he wanted to and you get these weird things and he's like acknowledges yeah i know that um and i would say like even with ridley scott we know he can be competent so it begs the question how much of this is is, is the artist's fault versus studio the, meddling. this studio meddling mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. like not to say because like i said in the original screenplay they have this scene where it's like you know darkness and beast version of lily going at it is just like yeah i don't need to necessarily see that yeah <laughs> um but but i mean it probably like, would have been a little more memorable the than essence... what you do get but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that would have stuck in your mind yeah oh yeah uh but... i mean just watch Dra- dracula with with uh Gary oh Hulley. yeah yeah <laughs> but so. anyways but i was gonna say like but the like the essence is what they're trying to capture is the idea of like not only is like the innocence, because it's a sex allegory for an innocence, which we can, at this po- like at that time maybe it makes more sense, but now we can argue like that's not fair to throw this innocence aspect towards women, like this purity level. Yeah. It's just, it's it's BS and it's all right, but that can be a different thing another time. But there's this idea of innocence and darkness always being with you, and this is something that I didn't get with the uh, director's cut that I wish they kept. Um, which is the idea that darkness is still alive in the void, mm-hmm. watching people, mm-hmm. and like that idea that darkness, like he says before he he is sent into the void, like I'll always be with you, I'm part of you, and like that's they had the yeah. message there. It's just like you didn't like what, yeah, whoever in the theatrical version, correct. it just kind of like gets thrown in at the end. Yeah, there literally, it's just a shot of him laughing, and it fades his face in, oh, kind of juxtaposed, like it's a, a cross exposure type effect. Um, with the happy couple running off into the sunrise or whatever. Well, I was even saying, like, his little speech at the end before he goes in, like, I will always be with you. You can't have light without dark and all this. Like, mm. oh, now you want to get philosophical? Because this didn't... Right. Yeah. Like I said, it has the elements to do what yeah. it needed to, needed to do, right. but it's not doing it. And somebody... Or multiple people are incompetent, and it's like, stop. Why are you? Why are you in charge of this? Well, so I guess well, Ryan, we'll, we'll we'll kind of start this off with you. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts, or if you and and if you had to give us a letter grade, what would you do? Uh, I won't give it a letter grade. What I'll do is, is like I'll tell people like I think people should see it for a laugh, or maybe they really love it. Uh, it's like I don't think it's not a thing to see because I it's if you're a fan of Tim Curry, definitely see it because it's. It's kind of Tim Curry ham in the most yeah. beautiful way possible for Tim Curry. If you love Tim Curry's work, and no matter how bad a movie is, his performances will always stand true. And, like, I, this is coming from a guy who the first time he was ever exposed to Tim Curry was Muppets Treasure Island. So, like, and that stuck <laughs> well, mine with was, me. I mine was definitely Home Alone, too. So, I mean... Oh, I forgot about oh. that. Yeah. <laughs> mine was Annie. That was my first exposure oh, yeah. to Annie. Okay, yeah, mine was so, too. So... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So I give it, I give it, uh, I give it a grade of T for Tim. T for Tim. <laughs> that's a that's a great cop out. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Um, you know, I I think I'm gonna be the uh, one who's a little more positive on this. one. I generally kind of like this movie, but I'm totally willing to admit that it's it's story wise kind of crap, and uh, its characters aren't super interesting. But I like I like the look and feel of it. I think it like. Ridley Scott definitely accomplished his I'm going to shoot a live action movie that looks and feels like a Disney animated cartoon um, and it's it's really it's really a beautiful movie that just doesn't quite get there uh, because it's kind of because it falls under the weight of its premise it, it, it sounds like a really good idea like you were talking about on paper like Ridley Scott's like brainchild like I'm going to shoot a fairy tale and we're gonna we're gonna just use these really basic concepts of good versus evil and it's gonna be this wonderful you know magical kind of thing and it forgets that all of that stuff is all well and good when you're talking about mythology or whatever 
you know, a two page myth, um, with, you know, hero and princess and whatever, but when you have to, you know, put it over a, a 90 minute film or a hundred page screenplay that you kind of need some characters to help move <laughs> your story forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I do, I do, I'm a realist with that, but overall I enjoy it. I like it a lot better now than I did when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I, I, I was looking for those elements that I just mentioned and they just weren't there. Mm -hmm. Also, I was probably looking for something a little more exciting. There's not a lot of super exciting fantasy action in the movie. There's a little bit here and there, um, but really not enough. I'm sure it's, it's an attempt to be a more cerebral um, movie than I think it come, it ends up being. Um, some people who are detractors, I am a big fan of Blade Runner, but I've heard the argument of people that think the same thing about that movie. Um, and anyway, long story short, I do kind of like Legend. It's, um, it's soundtrack is definitely something that I'm going to keep, uh, in my Spotify collection. And, um, so I think in the end I'd fall, I, I gave it a B minus. So I, I think it's definitely worth a watch for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, it's certainly a bit dated and it's uh like i said it's it's a little if you're looking for like really compelling story or characters this probably isn't your movie but it's a gorgeous movie good thing to look at i kind of want to get the blu-ray if it's cheap enough just because i uh paid for this thing in standard definition and i feel like i probably uh <laughs> shortchanged myself a little bit so i don't know <laughs> well i don't know i i'd have to actually i'm, I'm gonna I'm going to be the, the real bad guy here, and I'm going to give it a D plus. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason for that is this is to me this is a great example of what happens when when a director kind of uh, trips with style over substance, and in this case, even the style wasn't as it, it didn't come out as good as I think it was planned to be. Um, and, and I can forgive a simple story and a linear story and just like you know from A to B to C to D, and that's fine. But in this case, the, the, the linear story that they're trying to show isn't even that compelling. And for, for my taste, at least, um, the throwing in some kind of attempt at, at philosophy at the end about good, good versus evil, light and dark, just felt really a bit ham-fisted. And, well, I guess, yeah, we should throw that in at the last minute. Um, this is to say nothing and take nothing away from Tim Curry's classic and once again awesome performance mm -hmm. but if your entire film is held up by the performance of one actor who's on the screen for at most 20 minutes not even probably, I think he's probably much 10. less than that i he's in it for the last 20 minutes but that's not even for the full 10 full 20 minutes mm -hmm. you're right probably about 10 or less it's really just um, the dinner the table scene that he the tables yeah really that's, is that's is, a real gets to show you know shine in yeah um, and that's a real problem, I think, with this film. And uh, as much as I, I love that character and I want to see more of it, I feel like it, that character could be used in a better film. And uh, so ultimately, this one, I I was uh, I was in a bit of a hurry to get this one over with, actually, because once I realized <laughs> that this is when they're going to be now they've introduced this really cool character, and wow, they're really not going to do much with them. It's still more of the really kind of underwhelming stuff i was i was ready for this one to be over so i'm not giving it an f because yeah, i guess that's where the t for tim comes in right t for tim yeah. that that, that was the Curry. saving grace I, on it for me but we didn't mention you know, much I, about some gonna... of the supporting characters in it too i really liked um, oh i do have... uh billy barty and what's his name the guy from masters of the universe and the, the two um, little people actors oh, that sure. are dwarves yeah. or elves or whatever they call them in this movie uh they they have an almost uh, forest folk uh what are they brown tom and um um, screwball. 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 Yeah. screwball. They yeah. almost, by the end of this movie, become characters. Like, no one else in this movie ever does. They're just like this, like, especially Tom Cruise's yeah. character well, has got nothing going on. But at least they have a sense of, like, some sort of personality, like, you know, um, Screwball. Or, or Brown Tom makes jokes, you know, and he's got some personality. And, uh, you know, Screwball is... Anyway, it just... They, they are the closest thing this movie has to, like, some unique characters. Um forgot to mention them I, I enjoyed both of them in this film as well but and i, I will argue that gump gump the supporting character the the yeah. lead of the yep. which his voice was changed over by the person who plays the um the the main goblin 
because mm-hmm. uh, I guess they, he sounded too German, the original actor, who was 19 at that time, which we're like, really? <laughs> God, he's like 12. Yeah. Anyways. It sounded like a chain smoker. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, the only reason I bring this up is because cause, uh, my partner said a very good joke. She was like, he looks like a combination between Anthony Hopkins and Frankie Muniz. Yeah, I kept thinking like, <laughs> wow, Frankie Muniz has not that's aged. Right. Like, that's it's not like, him. <laughs> and I'm like thinking like, he is the in-between between Anthony Hopkins and Frankie Muniz. Yeah, well, that is I an mean, odd like coupling, if, but. Uh, it's, it's Yeah, it really there. was. But, yeah. uh, and he's just in his trousers the whole time yeah 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 but very yeah the supporting cast of this was to me very hit or miss there was great again the the makeup on some of the goblins and even some of the 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 dwarf elves was really really good but just didn't i don't know it wasn't enough personally for me to save this one but uh, it was uh cork hubbard is the other actor who is uh, who played brown tom Mm. in the movie um he's a I mean, essentially, like, if you saw any movie um, in the 80s that, that featured... He was one of those guys, Billy Barty was as well. Like, if they had little people actors in them, he was definitely one of them that you saw a lot. Because <laughs> he Up was in, with like... Warwick Davis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was in all good kinds of stuff. Actors. All the They're way going back actors. to, like, the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I agree, I agree with that statement earlier that you said, Eric. Like, like th- these characters in themselves are actually fun to watch. We give right. all the credit to Tim... Because he he just he's just a powerhouse that steals. Oh, but yeah, these yeah. these actors, yeah. they get they deserve the credit they deserve as well. Like sure. it's a shame that like certain ones don't, you don't see them more often as you do nowadays, because they were great. But anyway, I want to uh, kind of wrap this up here. And Ryan, thank you once again for being on the show. It was great to have you on. And, oh, uh, yeah, and, thanks. And, and, and gotta do this. Gotta here. do this more often. You know. <laughs> I will. I will. I yeah. will. Once technology is on my side. I will. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, that is uh, 1985 Legend, written, uh, I'm sorry, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Tom Cruise, Tim Curry, and Mia Sarah. Uh, once again, this is Joe Peterson. Uh, this is Eric Branson. And this is Ryan Stiskel. And this is the Video Junkyard Podcast. Thanks for listening. Good night. Have a good night, everyone. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>